We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, I am so excited to talk to you and share the vision and mission of this church. I don't even need notes to do that. The mission and vision of this church just burns inside of me. I've been so excited all week to just speak to you and to talk to you. And so for some of you, this might be a little different. You came on a very special day where once a year we hit the pause button on a message series and we dedicate the whole day to reminding ourselves about not only what God has done and his faithfulness to us in the past, but what is yet to come. In other words, what's next? What is God doing? And I think there's an important principle that oftentimes we forget that God gave us. It's outlined in Proverbs 29:18, And I'm gonna read to you out of the New American Standard Version. It says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, I'll unpack that in a minute, but before I go any further, I wanna do two things. Number one, I wanna welcome our church in Eureka. Hope Church Eureka, come on. Family, would you give it up for your brothers and sisters? Hope Church Eureka, we love you. We are so excited you're joining us today, celebrating 45 years as a church. And even though you guys are, are kind of birthed out of this church and you're only a couple of years old, we love you and we are praying for you and we're so excited you're joining us today. And I wanna give a shout out to our Hope City Church downtown. We love you guys. We're excited about what God is doing there and the future that God has there as well. And again, all of you who are joining us that are part of the Hope family, Online, We're so grateful for the technology that allows you to join us and be a part of this special day. Well, without vision, people, and now you've probably heard the, the King James Version, people perish. And when you unpack that verse, really what I believe God is trying to say, and that word vision even isn't just your ability to see. It's actually, when you dive into what that original language word means, it's it actually would be better translated prophetic vision. In other words, that there's something that Paul talked about, the eyes of our heart being enlightened. And all of us need this. Like we need, he wasn't just talking about your physical heart. In, in Hebrew, they believed that your heart was the seat of your soul, your mind, and your will. And so what, it, what Paul was really praying was that your soul would be able to see what God sees. And we all need that because we lose vision in life, don't we? And, and what happens is when you lose sight of what God is doing, in fact, the message version says, when, when you lose sight of what God's doing, you, you, you perish, you, your life, you have nothing that keeps you going down a path, you're unrestrained. And the picture is that when you have vision, even prophetic vision, when God speaks to your heart and he opens your eyes to something, not just that you could see with your physical eyes, but something that you could see with the eyes of your heart, that there's a vision for your life greater than what you can see in front of you right now. You understand that, right? Like there's something that God is doing, he's trying to do, that he spoke into your life, into my life, and he actually, he's spoken into the life of this church that only comes from seeing it through the eyes of your heart and your soul. And so that's what today's all about, because when that happens, then, and only then, that you have something greater to live for in your life. In other words, you're not just existing. 
We're not just trying to make it through a pandemic. We're not just trying to stay healthy. We're not just trying to grow our bank account or grow our 401k or grow our career. Now I've got a vision beyond the life that I'm living right now that's greater than that, that actually, spiritually speaking, can last beyond this life into eternity. And so that's what we're here for. That's what we're gathered here to do today. And every year on Vision Sunday leading up to it, I pray and I ask the Lord because I believe, biblically speaking, God works in seasons. You could see that even in the history of your life. If you look back, God works in seasons. That's how he does things. And so as your pastor of this church, I recognize not all seasons are the same. There are seasons for sowing, there's seasons for reaping, there's seasons for planting. And when I prayed and asked the Lord, I asked him for a theme. What's on your heart, God? What is the season that we're in as a church and where are you taking us? And what I kept hearing is I've got something and what is next? What is next? I kept hearing that question, what's next? And I think all of us ask that question, right? And especially through these last couple of years, how crazy life's been, it's almost like we could get into, and I think this has happened to a lot of people. And if we're not careful, we could get stuck in a rut thinking, okay, what's next from a, a negative standpoint, right? Like the pandemic has run its course. All of us thought, okay, what's next is we're gonna recover from this. The economy's gonna pick back up. We're gonna put this, this uh, coronavirus behind us and we're gonna move into something next. And then something next happens. <laughs> and we're like, okay, what's next? And what I think the enemy of our soul wants to do is to rob us of the vision and take our eyes off what God is doing. You know that God never stopped doing anything during that whole season and he's continuing to do something and he's continuing to do something in your life, in my life, and in the life of this church. But the problem is we lose our vision for it. We take our eyes off God and we start taking our eyes onto uh, what is happening in the world and what's happening next. I mean, I was reading in the paper the other day and they're already talking about, we know that there's been another variant and that's a real thing. But then they're talking about, well, there's gonna be another variant after that one. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like what's next? Like there's always something more. And, it, and I even look at my life over the years and it's the same thing. Like even when times are good, there's always a what's next. Like something's gonna happen to take away and rob me of my joy, steal my vision. And that's exactly what this life wants to do. This temporary earthly life, it wants you to be so fixated on your earthly life that we miss out on what the next is that God is doing and that God wants to do. And so he dropped this little verse in, in my spirit that has kind of become our theme for Vision Sunday. It's Psalm 145, four out of the Good News Translation. It says this, what you have done, meaning what God has done in the past, will be praised from one generation to the next and they will proclaim your mighty acts. Now, I think what is happening in our world right now should be a wake-up call to the church. In other words, it should be a wake-up call to every Christian. This is not limited to Hope Church. This is, I'm talking the Big C Church. I think the greatest thing that God wanted to do through these last year and a half, two years, I don't know, it feels like eternity, since we, you know, the, this virus wreaked havoc on us and we went into lockdown 
And it's just like so up and down. And I think it's messing with people's emotions so much that everybody's just all over the place. But through it, I believe that God wanted to get our attention. He wanted to wake up the church. And he wants to wake up the church because I believe we are getting closer to the end times. I mean, Jesus was clear. You won't know when that time is, but there'll be signs of the time. And if you look at the signs that he points to as getting closer to his return, they're all right in front of us. Like you cannot not recognize it. And so I believe that we're in a season where God is trying to prepare us for what is next. And I've just been so reminded that I keep hearing in my spirit as well that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And so pray to the Lord of the harvest that, the, that there would be more workers. In other words, that we, the church, would get awakened to our time is getting shorter. I believe that's why we're seeing so much happening in our world. The enemy knows his time is running short. And so he is unleashing hell on not just America, but on our world. And I believe, honestly, the virus is part of that. And I don't believe God caused the virus, but I believe that he works, I believe, in Romans 8, 28. It's one of my life verses that God will work all things for good. It doesn't say he causes all things. It says he will take even what the enemy meant for evil and he'll use it for good. He'll do that in your life personally and he'll do that in the life of the church. And so now the question becomes, what's our response? How are we as the church gonna respond to what we're seeing happening in the world right now? This is where our mission and our vision as a church comes into play. And so it's my job to once a year, and not just once a year, but on this day in particular, my goal is to awaken you and to remind you of the commission. Now, now you understand that we have been commissioned. That's a co-mission. Like our mission isn't meant for us to do alone. <laughs> like today, we said, Spirit, we sang that song, Spirit, rest on me. I was lifting my hands and praying, God, I need your Holy Spirit to do what you've called me to do. I need a grace that rests on me. That is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That is a grace. Grace is supernatural empowerment. It takes your natural gifting, your natural ability, your natural passions that God has placed inside of you. And it takes the super and it puts it on top of your natural and it turns what you can do into only what God can do. Amen. And so when we talk about our mission, we're talking about a co-mission that is us doing it together as a church family, and we're doing it in commission with the empowerment of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on our life. And so let me remind you of why we exist as a church. It's right there. It's above the doors that you come in, and it's above the doors that you go out. And that's strategic to remind you not just to be this nice saying, like a bumper sticker we put on our car, but something because we all need to be reminded because we have what's called vision drift, which is if we don't keep that vision in front of us, in fact, there's a scripture in Habakkuk that says, write the vision down, make it plain so that the runners can run with it. And, and so we need to be reminded of why we exist as a church. And so let me remind you why we're doing this, this whole thing, everything that we do as a church is around this one thing. It's to see lives renewed through the hope that we have in Jesus. You understand, and, and when you look at our world right now, hopelessness is rampant. It is rampant. And I think it's no coincidence that God, uh, about six years ago, put on our hearts as a leadership team 
to change the name from New Covenant Church to Hope Church. And I'll never forget the day that I asked the founder of this church, Pastor Hal Curtis, to come in and meet with me because I wanted to honor him as the founding pastor of this church who started this church calling it New Covenant Fellowship at the time. Now, New Covenant is a term that isn't talked a lot about a lot anymore, but what it is is the new relationship arrangement that God made through ushering in Jesus Christ. And so the old covenant was, was on you and it was on me. Like we had to do enough good things and be right before God in order to be accepted by him and in order to remain or have eternal life in him. And part of the old covenant was basically to recognize that we can't do that. It's impossible. God, we need a savior. And so the new covenant represents hope. And so I remember sitting down with Pastor Hal and saying, Pastor Hal, and I was actually a little nervous. He's the founding pastor of this church, and I wanted to change the name of the church. And so I didn't know what he said, what was going to say or how he was going to respond, but I wanted to honor him in that. We sat down at the table together, and I said, Pastor Hal, um, God's put it on our heart to change the name to Hope Church. And he kind of put his head down, and I was like, I took a hard swallow. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> here it comes. And, and then he pounded just like this he pounded his fist on the desk and he looked me dead in the eye got close to me and he said yes that's it he said the new covenant is the hope of the world he says i think you're supposed to call it hope church and and right there we hugged it out and i'm just so grateful for pastor hal and in fact that first sunday when we we renamed this church hope church we had him come and he spoke to us and it was a wonderful time but I believe now more than ever, the world needs hope. And our mission is to see lives renewed through that hope. Think about it. Why are you here? Why am I here? We're here because there was a moment in time where you were hopeless. You were dead in your sin. Dead. I was dead in my sin. I had no vision for my life. And this man, Jesus, offered me hope. And right now, man, we need to offer the world hope. So that's our mission. That's why we exist. Now, how do we do that? Now, the church has a vision for that. We have a vision statement. And that vision statement is to direct us on how we fulfill our mission or our co-mission. And so the vision of this church is this. It's to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Find, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And some of you might be like, yeah, 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 you know, we, we hear that all the time and we know what it is, but it's significant because this is actually how we help people find hope in Jesus Christ. And so the first one, I'll, I'm just gonna share briefly with you what each of these mean. The first one is everything. It is no God. Now, it, I think a lot of the part of problem, even statistically over the last couple of years, uh, church statistics, Barna Group, they do research on church and culture. It, they have shown that many people have left the church, about a third, a third people. 33% of professing Christians over the last year and a half have left the church. Why? I believe that, that God is doing a shaking. And I believe it's one of the big reasons is this. You could come to church every week you can go to connect groups. You can know a lot about God and not know God. Why do you think Jesus said to people who were 
uh, prophesying, who had laid hands on people. They recovered the sick. He said, at one point, depart from me. I never knew you. And they're like, wait, what? Like, we knew you. Like, we're your followers. We go to church. We do all the stuff. We read the Bible. We know the Bible. But he's like, no, you don't. You miss the whole point of this whole thing. It was never to know a lot of facts about me. It was never to be able to quote scripture to other people about me. It was never about checking off in your Bible app that I did your devotional today, that you did a good deed today. The whole thing was I died on the cross so you and I can have a real relationship and you can know me. That's what this is about. It's about living in relationship with this person of Jesus Christ. To know him. I think the great apostle Paul said it best in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 14. I want to read it to you, and I want you to really listen to these words and let it sink in. He said this, but whatever were gains to me. Now, Paul, just to remind you, before his encounter with Jesus, he was in the upper upshot. He was a young, up-and-coming leader in the ranks of the Pharisees, which they were the religious leaders of the day. But what we don't understand about Bible times is the religious leaders were also the political leaders of the day. So in other words, they were people of power, prestige, money, all of it, fame. Everybody knew them. They were honored. They walked down the street. People parted the ways. Paul was up and coming in these ranks as a religious and political leader and was destined to be one of the top dogs, if you will. And everything he worked for his whole life, he's now saying, you know what? What were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss. Actually, in, in some translations, it says rubbish, garbage. It actually, it, actually a better translation is feces. Like, and I know that's gross, but this is, he's painting a picture, like it, it, it means absolutely nothing. And I, cons I consider it loss for the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. Look at the verbiage, my Lord. See, this is what I tell our young people all the time. And when I get to preach to them and what I tell our youth leaders and youth directors is that we don't wanna just have a, a good service for our youth we want to help them understand that apart from your parents and apart from them making you come to youth group and just because you came with a friend, that you need to make Jesus your Lord. And that's what I'll say to you. And maybe some of you here today, I'm just preaching the straight up gospel to you. That we're here to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that's personal. This isn't business. Yeah, there's an organizational side of the church that is a business, but... All of this is to lead you into a real personal relationship with Jesus where you come to know him. And he says, what is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And I consider him garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Now here's the gospel. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, the old covenant, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's just straight up good news gospel. If you're here today, you need to understand the gospel. The gospel is the good news. I always tell people, people say, hey, what's your church like? Or what do you stand for? I said, here's what we stand for. We wanna be a church that is gospel-centered, spirit-led, and mission-minded. 
gospel-centered, Holy Spirit-led, and mission-minded. I'm going to say that one more time. We are a church that is gospel-centered, spirit-led, and mission-minded. And Paul caught this, and we have to catch it. If you're going to be a part of the church, you need to understand you're a part of that. And then he ends with this. He says, well, almost ends. I want to know Christ. That's his desire. It should be your desire and mine. Yes, to know, listen, the power of his resurrection. Do you understand? When you have a real relationship with Jesus, there is power connected to it. There's power to live your life. There's power for you to overcome what you're walking through right now. Because Christ becomes alive inside of you, and the reality, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, becomes alive in you. And you get to experience that power, but there's a catch attached to it, and we don't like the catch. And the catch is this, that I also participate in his sufferings. And this is where the Americanized Christianity is, I believe, robbing us from really knowing the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. Because we have been taught by our culture to avoid all pain and suffering. So we run from it. If we're in the middle of pain or going through something, we try to ease our comfort. We'll medicate it. We'll run from it. We'll busy it away. Come on, that's what we do in America. We make ourselves so busy that we just shove down the pain because we don't want to do it, deal with it. We don't know how to deal with it. That's why you need a a small group that will teach you how to grieve your losses, how to deal with the pain, not just run from it, not just medicate it. And that's part of it, becoming like him in his death. There's a dying that happens, but it's a good death because with every death comes a resurrection into new life. In other words, if you want God to do and birth something new in your life, there's something that's gonna require a death. You gotta be willing to let something die to step into the next of life. And so somehow, verse 11, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead, meaning when I pass physically from this life to the next, verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, and I haven't obtained it, but we're in process, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead. I would even go so far as to say as this, forgetting what is behind, now not completely forgetting the lessons that God wants to teach us, but straining towards what's next. Like God has a next for you in your life personally. I press on, that's intentionality. Paul says, I am intentionally pressing into it toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So how do we do that? So too many people, this is where people get stuck in their faith. They come into this relationship with Jesus and you'll find yourself there. If you're not there already, you'll find yourself at one point. But then after the honeymoon phase, I call it, of coming to know Jesus, we find that there's still things in our life that are messing with us. There's still sin that keeps coming up. There's still things from my past that I can't seem to shake. There's still habits that I'm wrestling with that are really messing with my relationship with Jesus. And too many people think I could just fake that away. <laughs> Faith it away and fake it away, by the way. We come into church and we, yeah, praise God, I'm good. And meanwhile, my personal life's a mess. I've got things I'm dealing with that nobody knows about. 
My marriage is a mess. My finances are a mess. And this is what theologians call the sanctification process. That you are saved, but you are continually being saved. In other words, you need to find freedom in some areas of your life if you're ever going to become the person God called you to be. And, and, and it says it this in Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then in that freedom and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul is trying to remind us that there are some ways, patterns in your life, old ways that you used to live in, that when you come into relationship with Christ, you need God to work them out of you. Otherwise, you're going to revert back to being under that bondage, under that yoke of slavery. And you got to get free of it. And I got to get free of it. It's the whole reason that Jesus came. So you could be free not only of your sin, but of your old habits, past hangups, and unforgiveness, bitterness, all of it. You got to get past it. That's why I want you to come back in the next couple of weeks uh, first Sunday in October, I believe, or last Sunday in September, we're starting a brand new message series called Prosperous Soul. Prosperous Soul. And we're going to deal with those things in our soul that we tend to neglect, that are kind of getting in the way of our relationship with God. All that, when you find freedom in Christ, leads us to the next vision point, which is discover purpose. You and I, we were created for something more. But too many people, in fact, statistically, nine out of 10 people in the church don't know what their purpose is, yet God has a purpose for your life and my life. In Ephesians 2.10 says it beautifully. It reminds us, for we, we together, not just Pastor Lance, not just Pastor David, but we, every single person that is a, a follower of Jesus Christ, that is in real relationship with him, you gotta find freedom. Why? Because God has something that he has made you to do with what he's given you. He says, for we are God's handiwork. Now that word also can be translated masterpiece. It's this picture that God is shaping you and he's, he's the potter on the potter's wheel and we are the clay. And he's taking every imperfection in you, everything that in your life that has punched you, that has disfigured you, and you've disqualified yourself from being used by God and said, no, 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 God can't use me. You don't know my past. You don't know my history. You don't know the things that are in here. And God says, oh, yes, I do. And if you'll allow me, I'm gonna work all those things out of you. I'm shaping you and making you into a masterpiece. Why? He said, I created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, before you were even born, God knew you. He knew your personality type. He knew what you would go through. He knew on September 19th, you would be sitting here at 10.07 a.m. hearing this message and that God would use it to shape you and to form you to do something for the kingdom of God, which is our last vision point, is make a difference. Now, this isn't just some, we're going to do good. This is make an eternal difference, an eternal difference. I love this C.S. Lewis quote. He says this, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who, do, who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. I'm going to read that to you again. If you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. And so this is the problem with our culture that we're living in. Our culture says, feed me now comfort me now. 
give to me now. I don't have, but I'll put it on a credit card now. I am, I am borrowing from my future to pay for my comfort and convenience and pleasure today. That is completely contradictory to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God in, he, in Hebrew, the people of God who had the promise of God, they understood this. Greeks, they said, eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we die, <laughs> right? So they had, this, they had this philosophy that, you know, you're going to die. There's no hope for you. You might as well live it up and party it up and take all the pleasure you can out of this life. Hebrew ideology was very different. They thought of life as both present and into the next generation. They thought generationally. They thought long-term. They lived in the present, but they thought long-term into the generation. And so that's why I'm encouraging you on this Vision Sunday that if we're going to see God continue to move on the earth, we have to go back to thinking more long-term. We have to go back to thinking the way God thinks. God thinks in generations. He thinks that one generation speaks and tells the next generation about the amazing things that God did. In other words, the things that God is doing and have done in your life, they're not just for you. See, our Americanized Christianity wants to get you to think that. That God, what can you do for me? It's all about me. It's all about what I could get from God, what God can bless me, do for me. And God doesn't think that way. He always blesses so that we can be a conduit of his blessing and we can take what God did in our life and the blessings that God and the grace that God poured into us and we could take it and invest it into the next generation. That's why I'm encouraging us that we have to think that way. We cannot allow our culture to shape um, our thinking and the way that we view church because if you allow it to, it will, it, it will let its consumer claws and mindset get in you and church will become all about you, all about what you could get out of it and you'll miss the point that yes, God definitely wants to do something in your life and I hope that he is. But whatever he does, it's never just for me. It's always for me, but for the next generation. So we're gonna, as a church, invest into the next generation. And so now comes the fun part. Well, the vision is really the fun part, but now I get to share with you some specifics about what God is going to do. Now we've experienced over the last year some growing pains as a church. Now God has honestly blown me away. Coming out of a global pandemic where most churches have shrunk in size, most churches are struggling financially, we've experienced the very opposite. And I think somebody said it really well. I, um, there was a newer couple that are newer to our church and I asked them why they decided to come to Hope Church. And I think they summed it up best. They said, while everybody else was kind of shrinking back and scaling back, y'all were moving forward. <laughs> like you had your eyes set on the future and in faith, you were still pushing into the things of God. And, and I'll just tell you, that has been my posture throughout this whole pandemic. It's not that we would meet less, that we would um, allow what's happening to dictate what we're going to do, but in the face of what's happening, that we would allow God to move forward, in, move us forward into the next that he has for us. And so if that's going to happen, now I want to show you something, but because of those growing, I call them growing pains, it is stretching us. We have grown at honestly unprecedented rates in my 
tenure as your pastor. And you could see that from this graphic here that not only has our average attendance gone up and our total attendance, but our year-to-date giving and tithe has gone up in both campuses. Now, Eureka, I believe last year, part of our vision for this, com- this past year was find- identifying and finding a campus pastor. And can, can you give me a favor? Can we give it up for Pastor Jeremy Evgene? Bro, I love you and Sheetal, and you're doing an amazing work in Eureka, and I can't wait to see all that God is doing. But look at, did you see those numbers? Those are, those are, they're a testament. Now, numbers, they're not everything, okay? And I want you to know as your pastor, I don't get too hung up on numbers. God told me that a long time ago. But they are indications. We do need to monitor them. They tell a story. And right now, they're telling a story that we are growing as a church, and we're outgrowing some things. And so here's some practical things that I believe that we need to do to invest into the next generation. And here's a little bit of a a list for you. Here's some of my vision initiatives, if you will. The first one is this, and this is foremost. Through the pandemic, it became very clear to the leadership of this church, we have to do a better job growing disciples and leaders. Like that has to be the number one goal of the church. That was the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and what? Make disciples of all nations. Not converts, not casual followers of Jesus, not come once every three Sundays a month, followers of Jesus, but all out committed disciples of Christ. That doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen by you coming and experiencing God in a service. It actually comes when you make a decision to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church. That's when you become a disciple when you are following Jesus day in, day out. Now, it's not all about the church, but God instituted the church to help you become a disciple of Jesus. In other words, we're better together. And I've seen people, they get disgruntled about church. They leave church. I don't need the church, just me and Jesus. Let me tell you something. I I meet up with them 10 years later. They get weird. (laughs) People get weird. They build little combines out in the woods and I'm going to hunker down in my bunker. I got enough food and whatever. And me and Jesus, we're just going to ride this thing out. That's not what God intended for you and for your life. He puts you in a community. And yet as a community, I think we could do a better job in our discipleship and evangelism. So you're going to see some programs. In fact, there's one that you're going to hear about coming up um, that Sonny and Mike Levine just brought to my attention where if you really want to know what it means to to share Jesus with somebody. We're going to help you do that as a church. We're going to try to equip you to do that, to do that better. I realize, how many times have you come to church and somebody's taught you how to share your faith? Well, I want to be a church that does that. So we're going to do that. We also believe that we need to develop ministries that strengthen marriage and families. Through the pandemic, it was obvious. There is an all-out assault on the family unit. Marriages, family. The enemy wants to split them apart. Our culture is saying, eh, you don't, need to, you don't need to be married. More and more young people are waiting to be married. They want the benefits of marriage without the commitment of marriage. And it is absolutely devastating. Everything in the Bible is based on family. God does everything through family. That's how he operates. And yet marriages are struggling. We're going to help strengthen marriages. We're going to have ministries that are going to come alongside you in your marriage and strengthen marriages and families. All right, next one is now probably one of the biggest goals that we have, and that's this. For years, we have outgrown our facilities. We have 
outkicked our coverage, so to speak, from a football term. And we have a, we call it the Annex Building, a.k.a. the trailer, because Annex sounds way cooler than the trailer. And who, besides, who wants to go to the trailer, right? We have outbuildings that we, we, we repurposed um, our garage just to create more kid space. And it, it's worked for us, but it is definitely not ideal. When we have parents coming and we have to give them a map and direct them where one class is, one's over here, one's over there, one's in this outbuilding over there, and one's over here, that ain't a good thing. You know that? If, I, if I'm, honestly, my wife and I have talked about it. If we were coming here for the first time, we'd be like, wow, this just seems really disorganized, you know, not thought through. And the truth is that it wasn't. <laughs> when this building was originally built, and it's a wonderful facility, but one of the biggest things it lacks is kids' classrooms and classroom space in general. So I believe it's limiting our ability to sow into the next generation, and we need to do that. So um, actually, can we skip forward and show the plans? So we've been working with Hundredfold Studios, which is a, a Christian architectural firm, and they have helped develop with us a plan to expand our facility and to create a family life center. Now, right now, the bigger one is the main building. And you could see, because we would create this family life center where we would have all our kids ministry and all our youth ministry, what it would do is it would open up more space in this building for adult classrooms. Now, this gets me really excited because this vision that we have on Wednesday nights is really a vision to reach our community and to invest in the next generation. If we're going to do that, I need your help. We need your help. We need you to partner with us and invest financially so that we can build this building. Now, when we first started talking about this building, uh, it was about a $1.5 million project. Now, over the last year, as some of you that have tried to build or are in the construction process, you understand how incrementally construction costs have gone up. Now it's about a $3 million building um, from a year and a half ago because of how much construction costs have skyrocketed over the last year. However, we want to build this building debt-free. And so what we will do is, um, one pastor said it like this, and I really like this. He said, the vision of the church moves as fast as the people want it to move forward. In other words, I could be passionate and believe that God wants to do this, but you've got to be passionate and believe that God wants to do it. And you have to sow into it and uh, financially and sacrificially to see it happen and make it come to pass. And we'll wait. We'll wait until that time comes. We'll wait. I hope that's not long because we need it now. But I believe some of you are ready to give and ready to sow into it. All right. Now, this building, we're going to show you just a few more. Uh, phase two, we're actually looking to, and this is down the road, change this sanctuary and move it this way. And that's coming down the road, and it's not quite as important, so that's kind of a phase two. But you can see in between the two buildings, there's an amazing foyer. There's a banquet uh, area where we can have food and fellowship and hang out together. A lot of good stuff. We'll have a youth room, kids room, plenty of kids space. Amazing, amazing facility. It's going to be, I mean, I am so stoked about this. You'll hear more about this. We're just introducing it today on Vision Sunday. But you'll hear a lot more about this in the coming months and weeks. And you'll have the ability on your seat to actually financially invest in this, as God would put it on your heart. So what I want you to do is pray into it and just ask God. I'm not up here to be a salesman for you. 
I'm not here to give you the, uh, you know, infomercials, sham wow pitch, like, hey, so today into this and tomorrow you get to, no. Um, just ask, I take a very simple approach to this. Simply pray and ask God what he would have you sow into it and then just do that. That's all you need to do. I don't have to tell you what to give. God will tell you what to give, but be faithful with whatever he tells you to give and he'll bless you. All right, now I want to talk about our Eureka campus. Can I get a shout out from the Eureka campus? I know you guys are going crazy right now. We've got some exciting news to share with you. As God has grown our Eureka campus, we recognize that we have a need and that need is our sanctuary space is good, but we don't have a lot of space for kids. And we have a lot of families that have been coming to the church. Our family is growing in Eureka and we want to create more space for it. So Daniel Sutley, the owner of the Majestic Theater, has been amazing. I just want to take a second to thank him. Thank you, Daniel, for you've been an amazing partner in our ministry there. And we have a handshake agreement that he will sell the Majestic Theater to us. And so we are, we are in the works to purchase that facility and then create an addition on the back of that building because there's land that comes with that building. And we're going to create some more kids space. We're going to have family life area. It's going to be an amazing facility right in the heart of downtown Eureka. And we are stoked to be able to do that with you. That project, that's not quite as much, but still it's going to, it's going to take a financial investment on your part. We're, we're guesstimating we're going to need to raise about $600,000 to buy that building. And that includes some renditions to the renovations to the building and the addition to the building. So we're excited to do that. All right, next one. We're almost done. Um, man, this is something that has been on my heart that God put in my heart such a long time ago. Uh, we at one point talked about maybe moving our church somewhere to more central. As we, we did our due diligence, we prayed into it, we fasted. We looked around and what we felt like is God told us this, you need to grow more where you're at. You know how when you, when you uh, plant something in a pot and, and it grows to the point where you need to repot it? <laughs> well, I felt like God said, you've still got more room in your pot. <laughs> like you got more room to grow here, create space here first to grow and then let's see what happens next. And so we said, okay, that's what we're gonna do. However, we've got this dream called the Hope Center. And we're looking for a potential building or facility somewhere central Kalispell, downtown, that could facilitate on Wednesday nights, youth meetings during the week. There could be connect groups that meet there. It could be a satellite church uh, for maybe Hope City. By the way, a lot of you don't know what Hope City is. Hope City is our church downtown that meets, meets weekly, and they are ministering to people right now that are either homeless or they're in transition in life. And many of them, you know, they're struggling and they have an amazing church service for them and then they feed them right after. And so it's an amazing um, church and ministry downtown. But right now we're praying and asking God, what does the future hold? What's next for Hope City? And we're praying into that. We need some more leadership to help with that. Um, but God is doing something special there. It could potentially host that. But we also want it to be a place where people can come. They could get counseling. Um, they could find hope. Um, they can have, we can have meetings there during the week and it just be an amazing place. So pray with us on that uh, we're, as we are proactively praying and looking for something downtown. All right, last one. As many of you probably have heard of the recent suicides that have happened in this valley, 
Montana per capita is one of the highest rates of suicide. And I am astounded by it, quite honestly. As a local pastor, it grieves me. It breaks my heart. I cannot stand by as a local pastor of a church and watch what's happening in our valley. I can't do it. I can't. And as I've been meeting with Pastor Jeremy in Eureka, he let me know about this um, nonprofit organization that he's on the board of called Hands of Hope. And what it does is specifically, it, bring, it is suicide prevention and awareness to youth, to young people. And so I told Pastor Jeremy, we as a church are going to commit to support that nonprofit organization. And even more so, we're talking about how can we get a chapter of Hands of Hope here in the valley? And as a church, how can we support that nonprofit so that no young person could ever get to the place where they're hopeless? Every one of them are valuable in God's sight, but yet they're struggling because of our culture and social media is killing our young people, literally. It, it's making them feel invaluable. They don't have a place. They don't have a future. They don't have a hope. As the church, especially one called Hope Church, I want to do something about that. So we want to raise money and we want to bring awareness and we want to do something. All right. That's how you can make an eternal difference. All this sounds kind of petty and maybe minor to you. Like, that's it? You just want me to invest financially in this? So I want to end by reminding you of the impact on people's lives that you're having and when we invest intentionally in the next generation, how it's affecting people. So we have a short testimony video that I want to play you in closing. And then we're going to pray, we're going to close, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to celebrate, and we got from some fun food and everything for you. But I want you to watch this video because this is the impact that we're having as a church that's changing a whole generation. Okay? Watch it. When I got out of prison, I already knew that I was going to come home and get high. That was my plan. I was so mad at the world and just a very angry, angry person. And I got home, uh, within one day, I had meth in my pocket, checked with my PO, and was on another runner. Um, about two weeks later, I met Jason. He showed up at my house <laughs> to get drugs. I'm Jason. I have four children, Keith, Brianna, Marissa, and Morena. And I'm Scarla. Um, I have three daughters. I have Taryn, she's 21, and Maggie, 17, and my lovely Sierra, that is 13. Me and Jason, uh, let's see here, in 2017, we met. I had just gotten out of prison. We went on a 10-month runner of doing nothing good, but doing drugs, selling drugs. Just not a very good place. Just wreaking havoc all over the place. Yeah. Uh, in December of 2017, uh, we got the doors kicked in by the SWAT team. Uh, we both went to jail, and by the grace of God, um, my PO let me out to give me another chance. I sat in jail for a few days longer. Got sobered up for, for about a year, year and a half, and then I fell off the wagon again. Scarlett and I, we went through a a big breakup. I found myself homeless for for a few months. Um, fell back into the drugs. Yeah, we put our family through a living hell. It took a long time to understand that I couldn't do this on my own. We couldn't do this on our own. Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. 
Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often come to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religion law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. So Jesus told them the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed. And the good Lord knows that I have strayed <laughs> more than once. When you live a lifetime of uh, not putting God first and living a life for the enemy of being a thief and a cheater and a stealer and uh, just running amok and lying, condemnation is the worst thing to carry over your head. By the grace of finding the family here at Hope Church, they, they, they never cast judgment on me anytime I ever came back and they, they knew what had happened. Uh, it was always with open arms and just saying, welcome home, brother. You know, I, I t signed up for Living Waters and I was a mess when I signed up for that class. Uh, I had people in this church believing in me and just speaking truth into me. And if it wasn't for them this time, uh, I don't know where I would be because when people start speaking truth into you, something happens, man. So if there's anybody out there today, just know that no matter where you're at in life, like there is a God that is so amazing. And to know that there's a God that loves me for who I am. Who would have ever thought that these, these two, excuse the term, but hellion drug addicts would be turning around and, and devoting their life to Christ and, and everything that it is bringing forward for us. To give me a million chances and that he has met me at the worst of my times, he has met me at the best of my times. And I'm just, uh, I'm so blessed today to know that um, I'm a child of God, I really am. And, and he sees me like that. I don't have to look at myself as an ugly drug addict cheater, liar. I choose not to be that person anymore. And the Bible says it best when it says he is a faithful God, he is a loving God, and he will never forsake you. All you have to do is look for him and he's right there. We, we are complete proof of that. Come on, can we give it up for Jason and Scarla? I just talked to Scarla yesterday. She's home. Um, just recovering from COVID. We love you guys. We're so grateful for all that God has done in your life. But you know, when I was talking with Scarla yesterday, she said something that really hit me. Because I remember her, she came in and out of the church and we wouldn't see her for a while. And little did we know that she was in jail for actually a year. But every time she came back, you, the church, just loved on her, showed her grace, Scarla found Jesus and got baptized. Her and Jason both got baptized in this church. And I've seen them come to know God, find freedom from their addictions. And now 
they've discovered that they have a purpose greater than what they were living in and it's actually given them a fresh vision for their life something to live for greater than just today feel getting high feeling good now they've been reconciled to their kids and their kids are getting involved in the church and coming to know god and finding freedom in their life discovering they have a purpose and i'm seeing a whole generation change because of what god did in two people's lives because you decided to invest she said you know what pastor land she said there was a moment when something shifted in our hearts and we were going through a really hard time and people in the church they just showed up at our door with food they showed up and just put money in our hands when we didn't have money to pay the bills and they walked with us in some really hard times and dark times let me tell you something this is the church it's what it's all about it's worth investing in it's worth giving your life for so my invitation to you is let's as a church be intentional about investing into the future let's give sacrificially not only of our money but of our time and let's see God do some amazing things because what he's done before he'll do it again and he'll do it even greater I believe there's greater days ahead for Hope Church for you and for me amen would you stand to your feet and I just want to invite you at the end of our service one of the things that we do is we have ministry prayer team every Sunday that's ready to pray for you if you've never come to know God for yourself maybe you're watching online today is the day I believe that God puts you here strategically so that you would make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus and declare him Lord over your life and you can make that decision here today somebody will pray with you somebody online will connect with you say I want to know God and they'll pray with you and this will be the, the best day. it says that the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner who returns home can we praise God for all that he's done and all that he's going to do? Come on, church. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.